How does 4-H impact your community? That's the very topic of the 2022 Amber Underwood Memorial News Competition. 4-H has such an important role to play in the community, and there are so many ways we can make an impact. Today, Paulette McDonald and Hannah Etier from the Sudbury 4-H Association joined me to chat about the community outreach initiatives they have been part of, touching the lives of many throughout the Sudbury and greater area. Hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to 4-H For You, where we hope to inspire you to use your head, heart, hands, and health to best serve yourself and others each and every day. Thanks so much for having us on the podcast. It's a really cool experience. My name is Hannah Eche, and I'm 21, so I'm going to be 22 this year. It's my last year in 4-H. And I've been in 4-H since I was 10. So Paulette, my leader, who's on the podcast today as well, we were joking the other day, I've been in 4-H longer than I've not been in 4-H now. So it's kind of, (laughs) I've grown up in 4-H and yeah, it's really cool that we get the chance to do this podcast. It's a, a learning experience, definitely for me. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, I guess you start at 10 and then you go all the way through. Really, at that age, you're going to spend more time with 4-H than not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do have, it's actually longer than that, too, because my older sister started out in 4-H and she was in 4-H and I was too young to be in 4-H. So I'd go to all the awards and all the events that we'd have, like the family events, and I was just waiting to join. So, yeah, it's been a huge part of, of my life for sure. Oh, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. And, and Paulette has been your leader for a long time as well. Yes, she has been her and her husband, Wayne, have been our 4-H leaders for the entire time. So she's also seen me <laughs> go from being 10 to 21. Our whole family's in 4-H. I have another sister as well. She's also still in 4-H as well. We, we've all started at 10 and, and went to graduate through. So it's been a really fun experience. That's very sweet. So maybe we'll turn it over to Paulette then. And Paulette, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your 4-H experience. Well, thank you, Laura. And I'm so happy to be here with Hannah. And yes, we have seen the entire family go through. It's absolutely wonderful. And I do remember that, Hannah. I remember (laughs) you and Jenna, who, by the way, is her twin sister, and her and Jenna on the sidelines and totally eager to get involved. And I think I even did like a little something just on the side so they could feel a part of the club. And I think that is one of the reasons why our club is so involved in community and community service, community involvement projects, because um, we've, we've just found that people like really bond they really love being involved and they absolutely want to do something for their community. And that's been our focus, I think, every year. And I just want to say, Laura and Hannah knows this already, but I just want to say we're actually celebrating Sudbury 4-H Club. So not the district association, but the club. We're celebrating 20 years this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I do I do know that over the past many years, we've always had a community involvement project. It just became really clear to me so, like many years ago when uh, the first time I did one, and I knew that it just, it was a passion of 
Wayne and I to do that, but it was also taught so much more within and, and we, we really wrapped our heads around an idea and involved the youth. And then when they could make decisions about what we would do, that was really the clincher. And so community involvement projects became part of our, I guess you could say our legacy now for all of these years. Yes, of course. So when we were even chatting about the Amber Underwood Memorial News Competition in 2022, the topic for this competition is 4-H in the community and what does 4-H do in the community? And when we were talking about this topic and thinking about who we could maybe talk to about community involvement in 4-H and get the wheels spinning for people. I thought, I know who I exactly who I need to call. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And I'm so glad you did. And I know that um, Hannah and I touched base just a little bit ahead of time to, to remember all these wonderful projects. And like, there are a couple that are near and dear to our heart, right? So, and, and the interesting thing about our club, I'll just mention before we get into those wonderful stories, is that we are an urban uh, 4-H club. In fact, honestly, uh, I, can, I can state that we were the first truly urban club in, in Ontario, meaning that it was urban youth coming to an urban club and uh, not farm or uh, rural members. But now we have both. We have a nice mixture of, of all. And uh, so, yes, we continued on with those community involvement projects, which mainly touch people in the city of Sudbury. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really easy to think when you think north, you think rural and you think that. But really, Sud Sudbury is not. <laughs> it's truly an urban center. And yeah, it, it is. It is, actually, because I, I, I haven't checked the latest headcount, but I still think we're hovering at about 160,000 populations. So uh, that is the greater Sudbury, mind you, but it, it still has that rural feel. There's no doubt like in Northern Ontario, but I mean, it's more urbanized, I think, than it is uh, ruralized, if that's a word. <laughs> I think it is. So maybe did you want to chat about a few of those clubs that you have done that have been around the community involvement piece and some of those stories? Sure. Well, you know, and I really want Hannah to have a chance to put her take on this because I think it's really important to uh, um, look at these outcomes as, as one thing, like a measurement of success, if you will, but ideally and, and most wonderfully, it's what impact or what effects have that left with the uh, youth who have actually experienced this and, and what can we learn through their eyes so, you know, maybe I'll lead us into the uh, Gene Quilt Community Involvement Project because that was one in which um, we've done more than once. So we've done that over the years and with different groups. So in other words, as youth come and go, as they graduate and new members come on, of course, like it's, it's good to introduce them to sewing skills. And so we've always taken the opportunity with a new group of youth who typically would not sew to teach them how to sew straight lines. And uh, that's very helpful and to use a sewing machine and to sew by hand. And so we came up with that project uh, many years ago in which we collected used and recycled jeans and then uh, everybody could contribute. 
And then we would create these jean quilts, which were given then to Ginevra House. So I'd like to, you know, maybe ask Hannah to go through like what she experienced in those projects because she did get a chance to do that project more than once and she could explain who it was given to and why. Yeah, for sure. So I, I did that project twice. The first time I was, I think I was 12 or 13. And then the last time we did it in, in 2017. The first time I did it, I I was kind of crafty, but I wasn't really into the whole like sewing bit. Um, but literally like, so we meet in a community center and all of us come like come in with these garbage bags filled with jeans that we don't know where they're from, but we're like, okay, like we're going to just make use out of these. And we all just sat there and we like literally ripped the jeans apart, which was kind of fun. And like some of us would be running around with like, cause we were just 12 and 13. So some of us are running around with like parts of the jeans as headbands on our head and like like it was just it was a really fun experience I remember one of the youth leaders she had her own sewing machine and she taught me how to sew on it and I was like this is the best thing ever and like so literally the next Christmas I think my parents got me a sewing machine because like I loved it so much and it was so fun all of us kind of fit into our niche in the the quilt making area because we needed people to rip apart the jeans we needed people to cut out the squares and put the chalk lines on and, and sew the, the flannel on the back. The jeans go to the Geneva house, which is um, a women's shelter in Sudbury. We had, had different sizes. We have some for, for kids and some for the moms that come in. So it's just kind of a, a token of home because a lot of times the women and children coming in there don't have a lot with them. So we kind of just wanted to give them something that they could keep and have as okay. Like, you know, you might be in a bad situation now, but we're, we hope to give you this little bit of hope. The first time we delivered them, I had the privilege of actually getting to be there. So we went to the Ginevra house and I was pretty young, but I do remember us all like standing around in the room and um, yeah, they were very, very happy to receive them. Like we didn't get to actually see anybody get them because of privacy issues and stuff, but just being able to go in there and, and talk to the director and tell them about what we were doing was a really good experience. And then, yeah, we did it again in 2017. And by that point, I had a bit more experience sewing. So I took on more of a leadership role in, in that way. But yeah, we did make more quilts. And then we had actually a, a really nice experience. So if you think about it, I think we did the jeans one more time before I had joined 4-H. So we had been doing the quilts for at least 10 or 12 years this span yes. of time. I remember every year we have like an awards night and all the families come in to be able to like see the pictures and stuff of, of what we've done that year. And all through this time, like we have new families coming in and joining and new members who are 12 or, or 10. And so we had one family that came in and um, we were showing the pictures of the quilts that we had given that year. And we always follow the same pattern. So our jean quilts are pretty recognizable. And we actually had um, one of the moms of our members came up to Paulette after, maybe she can speak more to this after, but she was able to share that she actually received one of our quilts when she was in the Geneva house. Yes. So yeah, it was a pretty emotional 
uh, experience in a full circle moment. I don't know if you want to share more, Paulette, about that. Yeah, I'd love to because it was uh, it was very touching. Um, she was at the awards night, um, the mom, and of course the the youth participant was there as well. And um, she just came up to me on the side, and she was very teary eyed. And I, I thought for a minute maybe something had gone wrong. Like I, I, you know, when you're coordinating a whole awards night, I thought maybe did we did we forget her daughter's name on the list? Like it was kind of a one of those moments. And she just came up to me and she said, "I I just can't thank you enough." Um, she said several years ago. I had to make use of the Ginevra House, like it's a YWCA Ginevra House emergency shelter. And she said, I had to make use of that shelter. And she said, um, my daughter, I was a single mom at that time and my daughter was very young. And we went into that shelter and she said, we were just so nervous and, and just felt so down and out. And uh, once we got settled in, one of the things they did is they they brought my daughter this beautiful jean quilt and she said when I was watching the photos tonight she said I recognized your photos and she said of course like she didn't want to say anything out loud because uh, that would have indicated to the to the crowd that her daughter who is now I believe she was about 14 by that point had been in a bad way before so we couldn't really like, you know, make an announcement. It was just a very heartfelt moment. And she said, you know what? She said that moment, she said that, that we knew that there were people that actually cared about women and children in shelters. She said that made the world of difference. And my daughter held that quilt tight the whole time we were there. And we had it until it was rags again, basically. So, I mean, I, I count this really as, as quite a blessing, as I'm sure Hannah does, in the sense that, you know, many 4-Hers and, and we all do wonderful things. And uh, how many times can you have a moment like that where it, it truly comes back around and you just know that that ripple effect went out and it this person was now in our club right as a member so yeah it was the deepest the deepest thing I've one of the deepest moments I've ever had in 4-H um and Hannah I I feel like maybe it was for you as well very touching oh yeah yeah it was really special like something that we wouldn't expect to happen and it was yeah like she was a member and we literally had no idea. It's just crazy to think that she got touched by us before she was even a member. Like it was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a wondrous thing. So, I mean, you know, and then it's not something that we can always do every single year is a repetitive sewing project in our club. You know, we do have the opportunity to do about four or five projects a year and we vary them because we are that type of club. Like we do, we, the same leaders participate in the same pro, like variety of projects through the year. Um, but we bring that one back around. If not for COVID, if not for the pandemic, we would have touched on that one again by now. 
Um, but we do have other wonderful community involvement projects that we equally do on a regular basis too. But that, that was a special moment, no doubt. Yeah, what a beautiful initiative. Oh my goodness, like just pulls your heartstrings. That must be so special for you both and such a special, like a core memory from, oh. Oh, absolutely, so absolutely. Sure. Tell me a little bit about the initiative and how it came to be from the start. Oh, sure. You know, again, it, it, re, it goes back to the sewing project and wanting to teach um, sewing basics. However, I remember the very first time, I mean, honestly, we had 18 members in a community center and the barrier and many club leaders will face these types of barriers. The barrier was to have enough equipment. So, I mean, it's not like you're, everyone has a sewing machine, right, Hannah? We, yeah, no. we don't all have that kind of equipment and the cutting wheels and all of this. So we had decided the very, very first time way back when was we would make one quilt and we had, this is another touching story. Um, we had a youth that had hoped to join 4-H club in the area, but what happened was, unfortunately, she ended up in the hospital for cancer treatment. And we somehow, and honestly, I can't remember right now, but somehow we came across this piece of information that there was a youth that had wanted to participate in 4-H, was now receiving cancer treatment. And we took that idea of making her a quilt. And so we decided as uh, the whole group would make just like one quilt. And of course we had to keep it simple. So we made it, it was new material, but we just made a two layer type of blanket that we all worked on and all sewed it together. It took a lot of time because of course, lack of equipment, lack of scissors, you don't necessarily have the funding to go buy all the cutting wheels, et cetera. But we gave Christy that quilt at the cancer center. And there were only a few of us that could go in because of course she had to be protected. And she became our club pen pal. And um, her dad made sure of that because he was a wonderful man. And he got, Christy to write us a letter back to say thank you. And we became like pen pals. And I still have youth, they're not youth today, they're young adults um, that have gone on, long gone from 4-H and they still remember that. They still remember that they did that. And that's how that started, was with that one blanket. I call it more of a blanket, but it, it was a type of quilting, you know, with X's across each square. And that's how that started. So the next time we had the idea of doing quilts, it was like, well, our club can't afford to purchase all kinds of new material. So thus the, the recycled jean quilt was born. Wow. Oh my goodness. And another touching story, Paulette, you're going to be crying at some point. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so beautiful. I've always found there's a lot, maybe Hannah can speak to this too, but I always found there was a lot of, it was, it was just beautiful for youth to reach out to other youth. 
Yeah. Wow. And just, oh my goodness. Yeah. And again, those are going to be memories that will stick with all, all parties for the rest of their lives. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So that is, you mentioned is one of the community involvement projects that you would rotate throughout that club that you host. Now, I know you had mentioned that there were some other stories you wanted to share. Did you want to touch on another one there? Oh, yes, absolutely. So then uh, came about eight years ago, the idea of gardening. And uh, so thus was born the Westmount 4-H Club Community Garden. Now it's called the Westmount 4-H Club Community Garden because the park we're in is the same park where we use the community center for 4-H, but it's known, it's Westmount Park and it's in New Sudbury. And uh, we sort of had to make a special request to the city to have that property that we use developed into a community garden, but we also had to make a very special request and kind of have a debate about its name. And so they finally had granted us permission to have the words 4-H Club officially in the name. That was a a little bit of a, a thing because there is a Sudbury Community Garden Network, and but we wanted it uh, forever sort of named in there that this was founded by and managed and run by 4-H Club. And so we did, we did gain that. It's the Westmount 4-H Club Community Garden forever. And yes, we do some really great work in there. And maybe I'll, I'll let Hannah speak to that because Hannah being one of the seniors, but also from the minute she was a youth leader, was also taking responsibility in that garden on a regular basis, along with many other youth. And so Hannah, like maybe you can share like what it is we do and have done with the garden produce over time and, and your feelings about all of that. Yeah, for sure. Our community garden is pretty special, but it's also very different from a lot of the other community gardens in Sudbury. So the majority of the community gardens in our area, members of the community who maybe don't have a place to garden can purchase a plot and then they can use that space for the year to do their gardening. We have a bit of that in our garden, but that's not really the goal of our garden we tried to involve the community equally, but just in a different way. So I was there when we started the community garden, which feels like forever ago, but also not that long ago. Um, like, so we, we built up, we started with, I think maybe three or four boxes. And now we have probably 10 or 12 garden boxes. Some of them are for like wheelchair accessible boxes or people who even just can't bend over for that long period of time. Some that are on the ground, some that are just raised up. So Paulette is the main sort of head person of the garden, but all of the 4-H members and our families really, everyone takes a turn in the garden because we all, we all plant the produce and we build the boxes and fix them up in the spring. And then we, we all take weeks during the summer and go on sort of like a watering rotation so we're in charge of taking care of the plants. So really, there we are the people coming in and doing the gardening. But the produce that we get from the garden, we have sort of a shared harvest program. So we have families who, who are in need. Um, they'll be able to come in and 
they get a chance to pick their own food and, and take it home. So that's been a, a real a real blessing for us, actually, because we've got to interact with a lot of families and a lot of kids who like get to come into the garden and they they don't know, you know, that a bean grows on a vine so they can come in and pick the bean off and learn where their vegetables come from. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing that. We, we get quite a bit of produce, like we've had up to 400 pounds of produce we got from the garden to give and bless other people with. We have one gardener as well. Actually, I got the chance to meet her. One day I was just doing my watering duties and she just came up and we do our best to talk with whoever, you know, walks by. We'll give them some lettuce or whatever's going on just to let them know what's up. But um, yeah, she she came and talked to me and said, I want in here. That's literally what her words were to me. Yes. She was like, <clears throat> sorry, she was like, yeah, like, I want in here. I would love to be part of this. So I connected her with Paulette and now she's a gardener and she has her own box. So we do do, we do a little bit of this, uh, like private gardeners can come in as well, but a lot of the times they choose to just like, they have their box, but then they end up donating the produce as well. So our one gardener really, like we get the chance to teach her a lot about gardening and then the food ends up going to other people as well. So I don't know. It's a fun little unique opportunity we have over there. Like we get to bless other people with the food and, and teach other people about gardening and, and where our food comes from. Our mission is to share harvest. So that's the words we've taken on as such. So detracting from a giver mentality where, you know, you're, you're growing the food to give it to uh, to take away from that image of giving a bag of food to someone less fortunate. Yes, th there is that, but we wanted more of an inclusivity of a sense of uh, not being served in that way, because it, it can also cause a, a sense of taking someone's independence away. And so it, it can bring on feelings for them of a sense of maybe they it's it's like a form of begging or it's um it's a form of shame to receive because there are many i have learned over the years there are many many people who will not accept you know assistance because it's somehow shameful and and it can also cause people to be judged so uh we took on more of a shared harvest idea while including the community. So for example, it's in a highly visible area. So people walk by constantly. And as Hannah said, we'll speak with the neighbors, we'll speak with people walking through. It can be youth, it can be uh, elderly, it, it, all, all folks from all walks of life, including cute little dogs and all kinds of people. They, if, if our garden gate is open, they're welcome to walk in and, and check it out. At the same token, we have community members that they don't want to garden, but they are so happy to start our plants for us. We have a lot of input that way. So we have people fixing things. We have a compost master. We have people starting our plants. We have people saving seeds. And yet, if you walk by the garden, you might not see anyone there, but all of this activity is going on. 
So we also have funding. And initially, the, the very first funds that we received were actually FCC funds. So F Farm Credit Canada, the grant that you can apply for is actually what got us started. So there were no monies coming from anywhere else. And so with that $500 that we obtained, we started the garden. And it just goes on from there. But now we have some very close by local businesses that want to sponsor boxes. And so they do that as well. Now we have the city kicking in. And for instance, there will be a shed built in our community garden now. And that is being provided by the actual city of Sudbury. So we're slowly advancing. I believe we're in our seventh season. For anyone listening that is thinking about doing something like this, like what I would recommend is start small. Don't necessarily try to ramp up to 15 boxes right away or a a very large ground area because one has to take consideration of how many helpers there are and can we manage it as a group. And we don't want to impose on each family too, too much because then it becomes a a kind of a negative impact. So there's that. But as it evolved from shared harvest, only, uh, in other words, bringing the food to a location, it then became working with a group of families and inviting them to come and pick their own, like Hannah said. And so that does happen. So now we have youth that come into the garden with a parent, their guardian, their grandma, somebody, and they start to pick. And they may never have been in a garden before. And most often they haven't. They've seen maybe a plant on a balcony in a pot. But again, recalling that we're not rural and folks that have had to come into the city for services are not necessarily able to have their own garden and food security in that way. So it's been very successful, very fulfilling to just see the excitement on their faces when they pick their, they pick fresh peas for the first time, or they didn't know that beans grew like that uh, on, on that type of plant didn't know what a zucchini was. So, so our garden is a learning garden. It's a giving garden. It's a garden for a place for experience, positive experience. And the youth are a very large part of that. Like it could not continue the way it does if we didn't have all our wonderful 4-H families doing what they're doing now. Wow, that's beautiful. And I love the idea that you've made it a shared garden because I totally agree that kind of the boxes are great and those sorts of things, but you're totally right that it can create this idea of shame and things that people may not want to participate just because of those feelings that may that may come from it. But if they can come into the garden and pick it themselves, and again, that gives them that experience to really learn more about where their food comes from and making them part of that experience is so special. And I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I think the fact that you have the city of Sudbury, all those other small businesses on game to support you and sponsor you and all the things that you're doing just speaks volumes for the impact it has on the community. How many families would you have, would you say, that come into the garden? 
I would say there's there's a consistency of about 10 families. And so families can look very different one from the other. Um, we have a wonderful uh, experience with a grandmother who had, she herself had suffered abuse and uh, she was coming with her grandson and she was not talkative at all. I do work with a group coordinator and so uh, they will often inform us of, you know, someone's coming and this is kind of like what you can expect. And uh, the grandma came in and I didn't expect her to speak with me, but, you know, I said hi and that's fine because little Noah was in there and uh, having fun uh, picking. But at one point I just invited her to walk through the garden with me and when we got to the end of the garden, we do have a potato area. And so she suddenly said to me, what is this plant? And I said, oh, this is, this is a potato plant. And I said, yeah, we've got the whole box of potatoes. I think it's red this year. And I was being very lighthearted about it. And she goes, Noah, come here. And uh, he came down and she said, Noah, this is the plant that my dad taught me how to plant. And she started telling Noah a whole family story. So I thought that was wonderful. And I just left them be to talk. And however, the coordinator later told me that that was very miraculous because the grandma had not spoken for weeks. In fact, had suffered some memory issues and for her to regain that knowledge and really be wanting to share it so passionately with her grandson was like a huge uh, step forward. So once again, just a, a, a wonderful moment that whew, we were, you know, sort of, I, I can't, I have no words for something like that. It was very touching. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's very sweet. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Paulette. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. From the youth and their families. And like you mentioned too, Hannah, that you take rotating turns, like it would maybe be your week to water and help maintain the garden. Just that experience as well. And again, getting to learn all about the produce and the skills related to the actual growing in the plants themselves, getting to see that full circle as it kind of the plants grow and then so does the program grow with the community and all the community support so that that's such a lovely program and I'm so excited to hear as well that you guys will get a shed and all of those other things I can't wait to see photos you'll have to share them with us oh absolutely and Hannah could even speak to the so sort of getting back to the 4-H programming aspect of it and the science that we do in the garden Hannah, you may, you may be able to think of like different activities we've done in the garden, especially, you know, towards uh, the soil science or the plant science and so on. Yeah, the first year we started the garden, we got a delivery of soil, which was really great and amazing. However, once we filled all the boxes with it and got all the plants in, it was like so hard and compact it was bad like it was like clay like you watered it and it was thick 
anyways and we were like okay hey, well like we'll just see what sort of happens like the dirt's in there now so we better just sort of go <laughs> and see eventually we had this potato box that was filled with this very compact soil and we go to harvest the potatoes and they're literally like squares like they're hard <laughs> compact like squares <laughs> from the soil and we had no idea so we're like what do we do with this? Like, and they were dense. Like I've never, it was bad. And we were like, Oh, like, what do we do? So, um, anyways, that was a fun learning experience. Cause we got a, we got a good laugh out of the potatoes. I have never heard of that. Yeah. It was, it was a bit of an issue for us, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, we all got a good learning experience out of it. Cause we we're like, Oh, I guess like, you know, the soil kind of does play a big role in this. <laughs> just something maybe anyways that really solidified that for us uh but the next year yeah we got some better soil and the potatoes honestly I think progressively through the years like they keep getting better we get a good potato harvest going but yeah that was a fun little learning thing and then recently I actually Paul had a laugh at this because so we did this like soil testing we had six different sorry five different soils from around like some from our community garden box some from other places and we we planted plants just to all of us to see okay like which soil is doing the best mine are still sitting on my windowsill which Paulette probably like she's like okay plant. I'm like I literally have anyways they grew but they're still sitting there on my windowsill but yeah it was just to sort of see okay like where's our our garden soil at and you know what I think it's it's actually doing pretty well just this chance to sort of learn okay what's working in the garden and what's not we also have this whole like companion planting thing happening in our garden so we have a bunch of marigolds every year and blackfoot daisy plants that are sort of like I think they are working they're supposed to fend off pests like insects and whatnot and we've had fun experimenting with that same with a lot of herbs, like we plant our basil in with our tomato plants and that's been helping keep away the pests. Our garden is a lot more than gardening. Yes. There's so much that's happening in there all the time and it's a lot of learning, but also now it's sort of like, yes, I have been in 4-H for since I was 10. So I've been around for the entire garden. But every year we get new members who have no idea, like, yeah, we're saying, okay, we're teaching all these families that come in about gardening, but we're teaching our own members too, because some of them also don't really know a lot about gardening, as I did not when I joined 4-H either. So yeah, we're teaching people, but also we as a club are learning as we go. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a fun experience. It's, I, I can't believe it's been, you're saying this is our seventh year. I can't believe it, actually. It's, it's amazing. It is. Wow. And I mean, as that club has evolved, getting to see where it started with, and like you said, with $500 of FCC funding and to where it is now, that's got to be pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely. It's the people that make it, Laura. You know, we do now have a regular gardening project right away in the, in the spring. We've come to learn that if we can involve all members right away in the spring in the garden, there's commitment to taking care of it through the year. Each spring, it's a new type of learning, so a different project. So we might take Loyal to the Soil project, for instance, but we'll adapt it to uh, what we're doing in our boxes. 
So, or we did do the soil your undies experiment where you took white cotton briefs that had the elastic band and you buried them in different locations. And the idea was after two months, if that soil is healthy, if it has all the you know active ingredients in there and all the microbes and everything that it needs, when you pull out those undies, there will be no cotton left on the bottom of that waistband, if that's what the experiment actually is. And uh, it, it was absolutely true. Our boxes, they, it, the undies, like the cotton was all eaten up. However, we had planted, like kind of planted them in the actual hard soil in the ground and they came out fully complete. They had no effect. So we continue to do all types of 4-H experiments that we, we gain that knowledge from the 4-H manuals, right? And so that goes on in and behind the scenes while we're also providing this to the community. So it's, it's, it's a fabulous uh, spot to be for sure. Wow, that's a fun little experiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the kids get a kick out of that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That's so cool. And I've read about this club when we've done features in the annual report, if I remember around clover buds, but so impactful. And I'm so glad I got to learn more. Oh, well, thank you, Laura. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. We'll kind of finish off on one last question here and why you feel it's important for 4-H to be involved in the community. So Hannah, why don't I let you speak to that first? If Yeah, sure. So not a lot of people, well, in Sudbury anyways, not a lot of people really know what 4-H is. A lot of people when I say, oh, I'm in 4-H, they're like, oh, what is that? And, and so we want to be involved in the community because we like to let people know what we're doing because we have a good opportunity for other people. Like anyone can come join us. Right. So as much as we say, yeah, we are doing impact in the community, but like I'm part of the community and I'm touched by 4-H just from being a member in it all these years. So it's been fun that way, but also it's important to be involved in the community because we get to see all this growth that happens because of it. The healing that happens in the garden, the learning from all these families that get to come in, just the, the memories that we have, like laughing these experiences with the potatoes and everything like we wouldn't have any of that if we didn't think we should maybe start this community garden. We wouldn't have these connections with the members of our community if we didn't go out on a limb and just try to reach out to them. And, and lots of the time they're so positive, like. I can't think of anything we've done that I've regretted it and been like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Like always these good things come from it. And so I think it's important because we leave a lasting impact and we get so much out of it too. It's really a blessing for us, but also for the other people as well. And you know, Laura, I think what it, it is too, in my firm belief is if one teaches community, then folks who have had that opportunity to to be involved in community will go forward and understand how to build community and so um, it, even for uh, the young younger members just for them to get a bearing on what is in my community so often you know each project we would always make an effort to connect with a community resource, no matter the project. 
there was either a speaker coming in or we were going out to something in the community. And depending on the age range, depending on, you know, what the topic was, at the end of the day, I truly, truly believe like it gives a solid foundation, not even just to youth, even just to myself. I need community. And so to, to work with a wonderful group of people, which would then bring in the, the, the parents and the grandparents and the guardians and all different types of folks. And we're just building community by actually holding weekly 4-H meetings. And then we, we extend ourselves further by doing something more in the community. And so thus the blankets, um, the birdhouses that we put on local trails, um, the community garden especially, that's, that's a very special piece now. That's, our, that's a, one of our core items now. Anytime we've helped out at a milk booth, at the Warren Fair, or all the reasons and, and things we've done is in order to build community for each other as well as for others. So it's very important. Right, and 4-H gives youth and volunteers the perfect place to do that and the perfect platform to give back to that community. And it's just, it speaks volumes for what you guys have done within the Sudbury 4-H Association and for Sudbury as a whole. So it's just so touching to hear all about what is going on. and. So touching to hear about all the stories and the people that you guys have touched in their lives and how impactful that has been for them and the memories that they will have for years and years to come. So thank you guys for all that you do. And thank you so much for sharing those stories with us today on the podcast. I know that I cut some tears, so I'm sure people listening will as well. <laughs> just in the just to hear how impactful those moments have been. So thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, thanks for having us.